Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You want to know how things get out of hand? Here's how things get out of hand. And it will seem absolutely obvious to you when I share it to you, share it with you, yet you will be stunned at how other people do not respond to it. Do not react to it with the very basic, uh, maybe you're going just a wee bit too far. Maybe, maybe you had a point. But when you start talking about Trump as Hitler, then you're in a, uh, you're in a whole new place. Missed it by that much. So close. And when it's not said on social media, but said on MSNBC and no one says anything, well, that's a whole different set of issues. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. This is MSNBC. I don't even know the name of the, of the host, Menendez. I have the host as Menendez. Uh, and she's talking about the Department of Homeland Security. Biggest threat to the homeland, the latest DHS terrorism warning bulletin from May saying in the coming months, factors that could mobilize individuals to commit violence include their perceptions of the 2024 general election cycle and legislative or judicial decisions pertaining to socio-political issues. He is the one stoking fear. He is the one stoking violence around this country. I don't know, Claire, if it is irony or audacity that he would talk about the threat from within. Donald Trump talking about the threat from within is totally fine. Do you, there are many people across the country who don't see Donald Trump as the threat. They see it as Joe Biden. They see it as Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. They see it as Dick Durbin, a man most aptly named, and Richard Blumenthal, who lied about his Vietnam service. They see it uh, as Jamal Bowman and Chuck Schumer. Oh, my gosh, as Elizabeth Warren. Could, could you stop going after our gas stoves, please? Yes, there are a lot of people who see the threat as not doing anything about the southern border and then going after Governor Greg Abbott of Texas every time he tries to do something. Something. The the uh, emotion of the host there, notwithstanding the reality, it you don't know if it's audacity or irony that he would talk about the threat from within. This brings us to Claire McCaskill, who is the former senator from Missouri, and who has made a living now. Being this MSNBC uh, talking head, going further and further and further into the insanity. This is her in real time. Well, it's a little of both. Um, but I, I, let me even bring in uh, what I think is an, also a very dangerous thread to this conversation. A lot of people have tried to draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler and the use of the terminology like vermin and the, the, the drive that those men had towards autocracy and, and dictatorship. 
The difference, though, I think makes Donald Trump even more dangerous, and that is he has no philosophy he believes in. He is not trying to expand the boundaries of the United States of America. He's not trying to overcome a neighboring country like Putin is in Ukraine. He is not going for some grandiose scheme of international dominance. All he wants is to look in the mirror and see a guy who's president. All he cares about is selfish self-promotion. That's the only philosophy he has, which makes him even more dangerous. The guy wants to be president so he can say, look at me, I'm president, and he's more dangerous than Hitler. We all agree that that's insane. We're rational people having a rational conversation. That's insane. Yet that's what is acceptable talk. That's what passes for acceptable conversation on MSNBC because it's attacking Trump. The idea is is beyond fantasy. It is surrealism. It is, no, wait, it is a mental disorder at this stage of the game. But the disorder is predicated on a philosophy. She talks about Trump not being predicated on a philosophy. I would argue that's true. He's not a conservative. He's, he's about him. Now, I knew that going into the election of 2016, and I voted for him because I saw what philosophy moved Hillary Clinton and said, oh, hell, I don't want any of that. And it worked out not too shabby for Tony and worked out not too shabby for the country either. It worked out better. So while he doesn't have a longstanding conservative philosophy... He certainly governed through policy like a conservative, and it worked out well, better than Joe Biden. So we understand each other. But Claire McCaskill has a a philosophy, and the philosophy is say anything to demonize and, and, and vilify your opponent. Here is Claire McCaskill talking about the vermin line. In one of uh, Trump's speeches, he referred, uh, was he referring to media or was he referring to the, to the deep state people uh, as, as, as vermin? But he didn't specifically refer to them as vermin. He made, a com- he made a different comparison, but that could be a distinction without a difference, so leave it be. And people said, oh, that's what Hitler would do. You're comparing the man to Hitler. Why is your conversation, Claire McCaskill, somehow better than Trump's conversation? Isn't it equally as despicable? And the answer is, well, of course it's equally as despicable if we're going to agree that the thing is despicable. But yet in MSNBC, that gets you rewarded with another contract. All he cares about, says Claire McCaskill, is self-promotion. That's the only philosophy he has, which makes it even more dangerous. Wait, hold on. Why? Why does it make him even more dangerous? Because he has actually said out loud that it would be okay to terminate the Constitution to keep him in power. He said this. He actually said those words. 
And the irony is all of these supposed conservative folks that have populated the Republican Party all stood around and with their with their thumb in their mouth going, well, yeah, OK, I guess so. Is, is, is that what they did? They sat around with their thumb in their mouth? You just compared the man to Hitler and Mussolini. Called him, nope, you didn't compare him. You called him worse. Trump calls for the end of the Constitution. They based this uh, back in 2022. Let's, let's read it together. Let's make sure we're on the same thing. December 4th, 2022 on Truth Social. Do you know, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. I don't know if that is calling for the end of the Constitution. He's saying, he's saying, based on X, what's the point of Y? I don't think it's a smart thing to say. Do you, do you throw out the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Do you have a new election? He's talking about fraud. If you're going to allow fraud, then what's the point of all these things? Still, not the thing I would have said. I have a president who was told by the Supreme Court, you cannot continue eviction moratoriums. And he said, oh, we're going to keep it going, see how long we can get away with it. I have a state, Pennsylvania, where the judiciary changed the rules of the election when an election is set by the state legislature and nothing was done about it. And for whatever reason, the state of Pennsylvania was allowed to send their 20 electors to be certified. I never would have certified those electors. I will say that clearly. It had nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the state of Pennsylvania not following the law, in my view. Now, I don't think that has ever gotten to the Supreme Court. But if it says that the legislatures determine the, the, the election, the judiciary doesn't get a say in this. What is this idea that somehow the judiciary it can, can do anything they want? This is madness. He didn't run on the idea of doing away with the Constitution. He didn't go about discussing, as Barack Obama has discussed, that the problem with the Constitution is it's a grouping of negative charters. The Constitution says what the government cannot do to you as opposed to what the government must do for you. That's the former president of the United States discussing how the Constitution is improper. How about the people on Claire McCaskill's side of the aisle who want to pack the court? How about the people on Claire McCaskill's side of the aisle who don't understand why a state like Indiana or a state uh, like, like, like Wyoming should have two senators? How is that fair? See, those small states shouldn't have a say. They should just be forced to pay their taxes and be thankful they get us to lead them along the way. Compared a guy, nope, you didn't compare him. You said he's worse than Hitler and Mussolini. And no one in MSNBC said, Claire, maybe you got to take a vacation. Maybe a couple weeks off. Maybe that'll do you some good. And we wonder why everybody's ginned up and why everybody's so damn angry. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder. 
What a nonsense thing to say. And if MSNBC was interested in actually, you know, engaging in smart conversation, they would correct the record there and say, stop that. Just stop that. But no. When people talk about these cable outlets as part and parcel of the Democratic Party and the in-kind advertising and the rest, my gosh. You can tell me, well, Fox News says, Fox News isn't comparing people to Hitler, saying worse than Hitler. That. I've done my fair share of Fox. I've been corrected on Fox. I've corrected people on Fox. You would want a host who actually stands up. No, they don't got that at all. I'm Tony Katz. So there is a suspect in the shooting of these three men in Vermont. All of them Palestinian were walking to a Thanksgiving dinner. All of them wearing kafias. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of the kafia, but I don't think people should just be shot while walking down the street. Tony Katz, 93. No, that's, <laughs> I forgot where I was for a second. Tony Katz today, heard on 93 WIBC, heard on WGCL in Bloomington and WMUN Muncie uh, there. Uh, good to have you all here. They were um, students and they were walking uh, to uh, one of uh, their grandmother's home uh, for Thanksgiving. Man walks up to them, shoots all three of them. They were in uh, the ICU for a while, I think. Uh, now they're in, in some level of stable condition, whatever the proper terminology is. Turns out there's a suspect who was arrested Sunday afternoon. I've only seen a photo of the guy. And for those of you asking, white guy. I don't know anything else uh, about him. There is some reporting. Um, that uh, he, he's got his uh, account on X Twitter and he's got this on social media and he is, I'm going to wait. I am going to wait um, to see whether or not the uh, initial reporting is accurate about the kind of politics this dude has, etc. You asked me to condemn something like this, already have. What are you walking around shooting people? You don't know these three guys at all. Whatever the conversation being regarding Israel, I don't know if that has anything to do with the shooting. But I could understand where people be like, Tony, three guys, Palestinian, walking down the street, Vermont. Um, that would be where my head would go too. But just like we saw, you know, the the whole thing uh, regarding Canada, I, I, I want to wait. And I'm going to. They got a suspect. Tell me about suspect. Tell me about motive. Just like I want to know in Nashville with this woman who claimed to be a man and murdered six, wanted to go after Christian children. So that's the latest there. Then I came across this story about Family Guy. Yes, the, the, the show, Family Guy. I'm a fan. Well, Family Guy did an episode where the question got asked, hey, can we uh, can we switch seats? And what, what are we talking about? We're talking about people on an airplane 
who are like, hey, uh, that that's my husband or that's my whatever over there. Can we switch seats and I sit next to them? And this story comes up time and again where somebody will want your window seat and they've got a middle seat and they want you to switch seats so they can sit with their friend. And then Family Guy did an episode uh, uh, about this a couple months ago. All right, the first thing we've got to do when we land is check the apartment where Meg was abducted and see if we can find some clues. That sounds good. That's what I was thinking. Excuse me, do you mind if we switch seats so my family can sit all together? No, we we don't. We we don't switch. Uh, Because when we booked, they didn't have three together. Ma'am, ma'am, your poor planning does not constitute an emergency for me. You'll see him in Paris. Go sit down. That's absolutely perfect. That is correct. Now, I am, I admit, a weird guy about planes. I'm a man who wears a suit on a plane, and I don't find it okay that other people do not. The people who wear pajamas, the people who wear leggings, the people like, I just want to be comfortable. Would you show some self-respect for the love of God? Not the story here. The story here is about switching. Now, I've done it before. I've done it before. I don't feel the need to do it. Sometimes it, it, it it's... It's fine. It doesn't affect me. It's it, it, it's it's all the same. But I would feel differently if I was in a window seat or an aisle seat and you asked me to switch to a middle seat. Mm, no, I don't have to do that. And you don't have to do that. And the people who go about, like, because there's one thing when they ask you to switch. It's another thing when they take the seat. Oh, I was just wanting to sit with my, my, my husband. My seat's over there. Those people should be thrown off airplanes because I believe that is an absolutely aggressive maneuver. Throw them right off the plane. No, 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 no. You are on the no-fly list for that one because you didn't ask. You engaged in a provocative, aggressive manner and you now are saying, I can do whatever I want and if you complain, look how you're holding everybody up. I'm already seated. Just take your seat. There's a place in hell for those people. I, I hope people who sit down and say, oh, I want to sit next to my wife. You can sit over there. I hope they never reproduce. We should never have to deal with their offspring because those kids are going to suck too. You do not have to give up your seat for anyone. Oh, and for the record, you're allowed to recline your seat. And the people behind you, they can recline their seat too. Also, if you put your foot up on the seat in front of you, you should expect to lose the foot. You don't have that. You get the the place underneath the seat. You don't get to be on an armrest. You don't get to put your foot up there. That, again, is a violent action. Man, crazy stuff happens on planes, people. People lose their minds. They lose all sense of decency. I want more air marshals on planes. The problem is the air marshals, as we discussed last week, the air marshals are working the border and they're not on the planes. You know, everything's fine, people. It's just fine. We just don't have uh, the professionals where we're supposed to. Oh, I am very bothered by air travel. And what I'd like to see is airlines start cracking down on this stuff. Be nicer when people get on the plane. Be more attentive to people when they're checking in. Stop it with every uh, last charge for this, that, and the other. But when someone acts the fool on a plane... Throw them out. Don't be nice. Someone puts their foot up on the armrest in front of them. Boom. Throw them out. You want to change seats? You're gone. Go fly private. We'd all be in such a better place.
Flights would be happier. Trust me. Stewie is correct. You don't have to change seats with anybody. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. weekend was chock full. The firing of Tom Allen at IU, the Colts victory over the the Buccaneers, which uh, this is still a team with issues and hasn't figured out that you run the ball. And then the craziest of maybe craziest things today, I've never had an issue with Coach Frank Reich. I want to see him be successful. I think maybe there's a conversation whether he's cut out to be a head coach in the NFL. But he just got fired by the Carolina Panthers. The season isn't over. He got fired midseason in his first year. That's that's kind of nuts, right? Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. JMV joins me. He is the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5. The fan is where you find him in Indianapolis. Before we get to the Colts and to the Frank Reich thing, Tom Allen... Gets the boot, uh, uh, unacceptable number of losses. The they agree to a fifteen and a half million dollar buyout instead of the twenty point three million dollars that's going to be paid for by the alumni. We discussed this. There was no way they were going to get rid of them. They weren't going to do the buyout. Exactly how much work was happening before this game o- over the weekend, and how did it come down? Well, they had to uh, secure, and obviously it, it, it came down. I, I think here, I don't know for sure this is how this works, but it was a $20 million price tag at a buyout, and he accepted it in, uh, I think, around 15 in two lump sums, one, I guess, to be delivered here uh, within the end of the year or at the very, I think, latest at the beginning of, of the next year, and then he'll get another one of over seven and a half million next year. I, I don't know how that works other than Tony. I'm assuming that if he were to take another job, then IU would no longer have to pay him. So you're thinking you get a couple of years where you can set it out and then maybe go back into coaching uh, at some coordinator type of level, some defensive coordinator type of level. So that. That part doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me whatsoever. But uh, neither is the firing. It's just going to be interesting to see where they go. And the departing shot from Tom Allen when he had mentioned, you know, IU, it's his hope, finally gets into the NIL uh, stream of, of creating NIL money to help, you know, secure players the era in which we're in right now. I, I don't think that's surprising, but that is certainly – Something that uh, if you're not already on this and you hire a new coach to get on this, um, it's confusing to wonder why I use not further down the road in this. Evidently, as according to what Tom Allen talked about, yeah, but with, is, uh, is, a bit is of a that line shot. about NIL, name, image, likeness, which is about yeah. finding players and work, helping players be able to monetize their their, right. their own name and their 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 brand, if you will, is that throwing shade or is that is that um, a, a realistic yeah, I conversation? So. I, I mean, yeah, I, Tony, I think so. I think it may, maybe not so much shade, but it's like, hey, um, this is what I've been dealing with here because we are in a new era, as he mentioned. Um, in, in college athletics, which is basically professional athletics now, but um, when you're not in the Big Ten and you're already up against, in football, a great deal of competition, and now there's going to be more added 
and you're not up to speed in terms of NIL, uh, good luck with that. So it seems to me that maybe that was a bit of a big shot of, hey, you know what, this was my record and I'll own it, and this is why I'm getting fired. But at the same time, you know, look how we had to work to get players here uh, against others who certainly were up to speed in the Big Ten on NIL and uh, probably had a, a little bit easier time to do it. That's what it sounded like to me, maybe just kind of a defense uh, in a parting shot of what he's had to deal with here in the latter stages of his career in Bloomington. Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5, the fan out of Indianapolis. A lot of talk about who might re- replace him. It's still a Big Ten. It's still a great opportunity. And there's a lot of college names. And then all of a sudden, the name John Gruden, formerly of the Raiders, formerly of the Buccaneers, formerly of the Booth, starts getting bandied about John Gruden is coming to Bloomington? No. No, I think that's just something. Uh, he spent time in Bloomington. Uh, this goes back, I think, to the to the late seventies, something like that. When his, I think his father was an assistant coach, something like that, as the story goes. I think when he was very young, he went to Benford Elementary School, which is out by the College Mall in Bloomington, for a short period of time. Now, a lot of people suggest, well, that's just his agent throwing that out there. I mean, why would you even throw it out there with IU? I, it's interesting, and it would be great to be able to talk about it. I just don't think that that whatsoever is living in a world of reality. Remember, Tony, they had to find you know now the, the $15 million ultimately to pay off the buyout of Tom Allen through a number of donors is what they described it to be yesterday. And then you're going to have to come up with somebody's contract to make a job that has had little to zero success over the years interesting for a coach that is good at it so there is a lot of work to do and i just don't think john gruden whatsoever would be a part of this conversation who is who is a part of this conversation give me three names oh, to look for. yeah good call by you i i, I think tony that's ultimately going to be somebody established that's been a head coach there is so much to do especially with that nil as you mentioned shade that Tom Allen was throwing there at the end is accurate. And they're so far behind. It's going to take somebody who's already out there. And I think has, has built and been a part of a program. People bring up all the time in Tulane, and there's not been a lot of conversation about him here. A guy by the name of Willie Fritz, who, you know, in terms of success has had a great deal of it at Tulane, considering there's not a great deal that you talk about in terms of uh, collegiate football success with the green wave. So that guy comes to mind. Um, Maybe, and this is a long shot here. I mean, maybe you can get kind of like what Michigan State did. Michigan State got an outgoing um, Oregon State. Oregon State obviously is kind of being left in the cold in the Pac-12. All the major schools are going to the Big Ten. So maybe, you know, you get the opportunity, you know, like the Washington State coach is a guy that's been talked about. I know that Michigan State just hired the Oregon State coach. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're in a conference that's kind of left in the middle of the wilderness, like the ACC is being, like the Pac-12 is being right now, maybe you can poach somebody like that that's been running a program. But honestly, I highly doubt it. I just think it's going to be somebody like a Willie Fritz and, you know, if they want to go with an assistant coach, Mike Hart's the running backs coach at Michigan who has IU ties. Maybe that's it. The Fryer guy that's the offensive line coach at Ohio State's another name that has been mentioned. Then you have a myriad of Mid-American Conference 
coaches' names that you can throw in there as well. But I just happen to think it's going to be somebody that's established himself already and has run a program because this is a big deal right here in terms of where you're going to start and a daunting task about where you're going to be in the Big Ten moving forward with IU football. So Willie Fritz was the guy that first popped into my head that may have some interest that's run his own program and had success. I don't know if they're going to have any interest in him, but I would suggest, Tony, that this thing is going to go, I think, quick because you got to get on the ball. you got to secure the own guys that you want back. want to make sure Donovan McCauley, the wide receiver, is back. You know, maybe you can get Brendan Soresby, who went to the transfer portal as of yesterday. Maybe you can bring him back. You're going to have to re-recruit and then restock the fridge that you have in football players in Bloomington. So I think quickly is the move here for athletic director Scott Dolson and hire their new football coach. Let's move it over to the professional side. The Colts 27, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20. Let me give you two statistics. Gardner Minshew, 24 for 41, 251 yards with an interception, no touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss together run for 146 yards on 23 carries and two touchdowns. Both went to Jonathan Taylor. When you've got Moss and Taylor and you're averaging over six yards a carry, why the hell is Gardner Minshew throwing 41 times? I, uh, Tony, we were asking in the press box yesterday. I was thinking about you when you sent me a text because I, I don't know. This is my theory on this. And this is nothing against Shane Steichen having a very good rookie season as head coach. My theory is that he is smarter than everybody in the room. Offensively, he is. I mean, he's a smart guy offensively. I think he will outsmart himself at times. I think sometimes he's thinking, all right, I'm going to throw the ball right here. And, you know, this defense suggests that we can't, and we're going to do it. And you saw the outcome of that. When you had that miscommunication yesterday in the second quarter between Josh Downs and Gardner Minshew, it was like after that, Gardner Minshew was a mess up until – the start of the third quarter. I mean, you could just tell that he was all discombobulated and they kept going to it. So I can only answer your question, which what I think is true. And I think that Shane Sykin thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And out time, at times, the smartest guy in the room will outfox himself when it's unnecessary. And I thought you're exactly right. Not running the football more yesterday was completely unnecessary with his offense, but they survived it. And that's all that matters. And I think that when they're getting the rushing touchdowns, when they're actually able to to move guys in the running game, this offensive line feels much better, and they play uh, a much better. Uh, but you brought up Josh Downs, thirteen targets, yeah. five receptions. The guy wasn't all right. He he, he, whatever it is, whether it's the injury or something else, he was not there fully, ready to go for that game. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. And uh, hopefully he is in Tennessee coming up next week. The other thing that stood out, did you happen to see this? And this is something you and I talked about, I think, going back to Friday, is that Gardner Minshew in the pocket, even when the pocket is clean and he's well protected, you can see him dancing around a little bit. So I I thought right before they went to the bye week, you could see that the pressure was building on him decision-making-wise. And you saw a little bit more of that yesterday. But I will give him credit. They came out in the third quarter, and I thought, you know, the way that midway through and the second quarter ended for him offensively, it got better in the third. That's just the way that it looked and it fell. But you can see sometimes Gardner Minshew reacts like he's getting heavy pressure when 
he's got a clean pocket and it's, it's happy feet and it's weird to see, but that's the role that the mentality in your brain plays when you've been subjected to a lot of pressure in the past. It just, I think sometimes he falls victim to that, and we saw that in the second quarter. But uh, much better, I thought, to start the third yesterday and then obviously got the ball rolling for the Colts, and, and their defense took over down the stretch. Now, when we, I'm going to keep with the offense just really quick yeah. because Alec Pierce finally got into a game, six targets, four receptions. If they start playing him a little bit more like a, like a tight end and some of those kinds of, uh, of routes, I, I think I'm happier. Will Mallory, speaking of, of, of tight ends getting in this game, um, that one pass on the fourth down to Mo Ali Cox, yeah. which was beautifully done. But this offense uh, via receivers is Michael Pittman. Ten receptions, 107 yards. Um, he's, he's, and he's catching the ball behind him. He's catching the ball a little too much in front of him. That was nice work yesterday. Hey, Tony, he's the workhorse, is he not, of those receivers out there, too? A couple of things else you mentioned, Will Mallory. I'd like to see more of Will Mallory, if we could. He's dealt with some injuries as a rookie, but I wouldn't mind to see a little bit more of him. And then that play, that fourth down call that surprised everybody, certainly including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensively, that was a play that was suggested to uh, to uh, Shane Steichen in the week by tight ends coach Tom Manning uh, in a short yardage meeting. And then I think Shane Steichen, after the game, referenced that yesterday and said that he liked that design and thought that that would absolutely work. And that was a conversation he and the tight ends coach, Tom Manning, had early in the week that ended up playing a significant role into sustaining that drive on what was a tremendous fourth down call. So there was a lot to like, and here's the best part about it. You're in a rebuild year, and your rebuild is sitting on the sidelines there with a shoulder injury, right, trying to come back from that and won't play again this year. And you're right now getting ready to go into the first week of December, first weekend, I should say, of December. And you're in a wild card position in the AFC. And then a lot happened yesterday that could really help you. I mean, Buffalo losing. It's like Cincinnati's being put to bed finally. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. And then uh, the only thing really that went against you was the fact that Denver won yesterday. But a lot of things in the Colts' favor in the AFC. We're going to start talking about what it will take to get them to punch a postseason ticket. Because you can kind of see a bit of a path forming if they can win those games, we believe they should be able to win. Before I let you go, talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, got a, about a minute or so left. Today, the Panthers fire Frank Reich, former coach of of the Colts who got fired midseason. Now Reich fired again midseason. They were 1-10. and 10. You got the rookie uh, quarterback in, in, in Bryce Young, um, this the right move uh, for the Panthers? And is this the end of Frank Reich as a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, that, that's the end of it, too. I, I can't think of a time, Tony, when I've ever seen a guy get fired midseason back-to-back years. Uh, in this case, both in the month of November, Frank Reich by the Colts a year ago, and David Tepper, his owner, fired him earlier today as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper is part of the problem, too. It's much like what we saw here with Jim Irsay. So much meddling a year ago. David Tepper's done a lot of meddling. He wanted Bryce Young. Frank Reich reportedly wanted C.J. Stroud. We've known how that's worked out so far. Um, but, yeah, really nice guy, but done in the NFL as his career as a head coach and, frankly, doing something I don't think we've ever seen as a head coach and being fired 
midseason and back-to-back years in the NFL. I'd have to look it up, but I don't know of anything I can remember that's happened like that. JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Always appreciate you. This is Tony Katz today. It was not terrorism. We're talking about that massive explosion at the Rainbow Bridge near Niagara Falls connecting the United States and Canada. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today that took place, uh, was it on Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving? Uh, Not terrorism, uh, immediately where a lot of people went to. But as always, you got to wait for the information. You got to wait for the data. In this case, it was a couple driving a Bentley and going over 100 miles an hour. They literally launched. You could see the Bentley, like, take off, if, if you will, whatever it hit. And then it hit with such force when it landed, it exploded. And people in, inside were, were killed and people at the bridge didn't know what had happened. So was there a malfunction with the vehicle? Was there something else in, involved? I don't know. Don't have the answer. I, I did find it interesting. First, people react way too quickly. I, I, I wasn't on the air that day and, and I, did not, I didn't do anything social media-wise. I was waiting for information. Um, but that people we're thinking about it like they they're they're expecting it i think that's in and of itself a story i've said it i'm expecting it in jerusalem i'm expecting it in tel aviv i'm expecting it because of the lax southern border all across the u.s yes i don't think i'm living in fear but i expect bad things to come i'm not a negative guy i think that's an honest take find everything at tonycats.com this is tony katz today